Well, next week, <clears throat> next Sunday, of course, the, the biggest gift-giving day of the year. And, right? It's Father's Day. <laughs> so, I, I just thought I'd give you a little help on some ideas. You know, you're running out of time. You've got seven days. Here, here's one you might want to consider. Uh, sooner, sooner or later, you're going to have it. There it is. You might want to get the Bombardier Challenger 85 jet. It's, it's a mere bargain at $32 million. Now, Beyonce actually bought that for JC back in 2012. But you may not be Beyonce, and you may not have $32 million hanging around. So perhaps something more like this would be fitting. The good old soap on a rope. What? <laughs> Who thought of this? I mean, what was the idea that men are so clueless we get in the shower and forget to use soap? I mean, it, it, what, what is the point? Now, Father's Day is a very special day. I mean, you've got to think about people like Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and then, of course, Nick Cannon. I mean, when you're thinking about fathers. <laughs> but anyway, that was just an introduction to this series, which is about uh, game-changing, God-giving, game-changing gifts. There are gifts that God actually wants to give to each and every human being but here's the 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 caveat he can't actually give it apart from himself listen to this verse from genesis 15 an experience in the life of abraham he was called abram at the time he says sometime later abram had a vision the lord said to him abram do not be afraid i am like a shield to you i am your you tell me very great reward it's kind of awkward. Think about being God. It's kind of awkward. I mean, God is saying to Abraham, he's saying, you know, the, the best thing you're ever going to have in life, the best gift I can ever give you, the best experience you can ever have, it's, it's your union with me. I've been kind of emotional this morning for a reason that has nothing to do with any of you or anything going on in my life. It's, it's for this reason. I'm coming up this summer. I wish I would have known exactly when, but sometime this summer probably in July my 50th anniversary of walking with Christ 50 years and yeah yeah I was only uh I was only three when or maybe 13 or, or I don't know maybe 23 something but but anyway when, when I turned turn to Christ but I, I've been I don't know why it's just been coming back on me and I'm thinking about uh about all the journey and this verse it just grabs me and and it is so true folks I'm, I'm going to just speak to you a, a little bit off the cuff here for a minute I know that we come to places like this for all different kinds of reasons and I'm not trying to be insulting or anything but I, I just want to kind of be forthright with you uh, some of us no doubt are here because you know somebody invited us and that's good and that's great and some of us are here because we just want to kind of get the man off our back. You know, hey, look, I'm here up there in heaven. So, you know, I want to appease you. I want you to be pleased with me. And some of us are here like, I, I want God to do something for me. We're trying to use God in some way. Some of us here, we just want a little religious wiffle dust of some sort. We just think, you know, you kind of show up and you kind of get this little, little something, something that's good for you and good for the family. This is all nonsensical. I, I know I've just insulted probably some of you. The thing that hit me back at age 23 when I came to grips with this potential relationship with the creator of the universe was this was reality I was dealing with. 
The reality is Christ, the creator, is there. He made us for himself. He's always loved us. He's always wanted us. He's always sought to persuade us to open ourselves to trust in him. And that once we start to walk with our creator, things can occur inside of us that make whatever happens outside of us not nearly as negatively impactful. We know who we are. We know why we're here. We know where we're going. We know how to live. We know the meaning of life, the purpose of life. We know that every second, every value, uh, or every experience has value and that there's nothing wasted. We know why things are as they are in the world, why insanity prevails throughout human history, why violence, why hate. We, we understand. God reveals this to us. We understand the future. He's going to allow, he is allowing evil for a little while so that he can abolish it forever, and we are living at the very culmination of the age, which is why this message this morning is going to be so important for everyone in here. So with that, I want, I want to get right into it. So today, we're, we're in a series, God-Giving, Game-Changing Gifts, and we're going to look at things like significance, which is today, and then security, and then satisfaction. We're going to look at peace. We're going to look at enthusiasm, and we're going to look at, finally, at contentment. These are powerful internal gifts that God gives, but he can't give them apart from himself. That's why God said way, way, way back to Abraham. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm your reward, Abraham. Fifty years later, I'm telling you, God is He's the reward, so I'm not offering you religious wiffle dust today. I am speaking from my heart about a reality that has gripped me, molded me, shaped me, guided me, corrected me, put me back on my feet again and again for some 50 years now. And I want so much that you and every person that I can possibly influence to experience that same union with Christ, their creator, which is necessarily, inevitably life-changing. So we're going to look at today God-given significance. Now, I want to I differentiate with this right off the start. There is what I call core significance. So we have, <clears throat> excuse me, core God-given significance and that equals our creation. We're created by Christ, for Christ, and then our redemption. Christ loves us to the point that he died to prove his love, to win back our trust and our affection. So that's core significance. And listen, before we go on any further, you and I must have embedded in our hearts and our minds our core significance. If I'm struggling in life to prove my worth, to prove my self-esteem. I'm just going to be a miserable human being. I'm going to be confused. I'm going to be disoriented. I'm going to be easily deceived. I'm going to make bad decisions, and I'm going to suffer. It, it feels painful not to know that we have value just because we are, even if we are not perfect. Here we have some scripture to back this up. Way back in Genesis 1.27, it says, God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Because the living God, Christ created you, he gave you value in that he gave you and I the capacity to experience his kind of life. No other creature on this planet. There are other creatures in the universe, other, other extraterrestrial beings. These are angelic civilizations. They are image bearers too, but we are given this ability to experience life on the level God himself does. That means you are intrinsically valued. You don't have to run any faster, jump any higher, prove anything to anyone, make up for anything. You are inherently, intrinsically valuable. God made you as such. And then redemptively. 
Romans 5, 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still what? Sinners, Christ did what for us? And that's the demonstration of God's love. So even when you and I are at a rock bottom worse, God considers us so valuable because of the love that he has for us. That's what creates our value. It's his love for us that Christ died for us. So that's what I'm calling core significance you must have that i must have that we can't function we'll never become fully human and fully alive unless we have that settled if you are still struggling with self-esteem issues you don't have to continue but you have to remind yourself of this truth that i've just shared with you you may have to remind yourself of it times per day but what i want to talk to you about today is something else it's called conditional god offered significance now it's conditional and it's God offered it doesn't mean that we have to take it it doesn't mean that everyone's going to fulfill the conditions but it's a different kind of significance that God offers to us so if I could just go to that so we've got core God-given significance creation redemption but now we've got conditional God offered significance and to introduce that I'm going to go back to Old Testament passage it's from 2nd Chronicles 16 and it's about a king of Israel his name was Asa he ruled over the southern kingdom of Israel for 41 years. The scripture says he was, he was faithful to the Lord through his whole reign. He was a good guy. He led the people of God to trust in God, to, to live his ways and so forth. But he comes to a place in his, in his journey, in his 36th year as a king, he's being attacked by the king from the northern kingdom of Israel. There had been a civil war back in 930 B.C. And um, he, instead of trusting in God instead of relying on God to protect him and his people he hires the king of Aram kind of what we would call Syria today to come and sort of ward off the northern Israeli troops and so in that context God actually sends this guy named Hananiah the, the prophet the seer and he rebukes him he says man you 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 started so good eh? so you relied on the Lord when the Cushites were attacking you and they were overwhelming and, and God came through and now here you are 36 years later and you're not relying on God well you know I wish you would have now that's the context for this verse but that isn't the emphasis that I want to put across to each of us today so here we go here's the verse second Chronicles 16 9 it says for the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are what does it say wholeheartedly devoted to him now that is within the power of each and every one of us in this room you say Randy you don't know how many years I've burned you don't, you don't know what my life is like no I, I don't but I do know this, if you choose today what I chose back at age 23, I didn't understand this verse then, but I can look back now and I understand what I did then. I put my trust in Christ wholeheartedly and I intended to follow him. Now, I didn't know all the mechanics then, but I can tell you what it was now looking back. At that point, I made the decision I was going to follow Christ freely, I was going to follow Christ fully, and I was going to follow Christ forever. Didn't have that language back then, but when I look back, at what went on inside of me that's what happened you and I and every one of us in here doesn't matter what our past has been doesn't matter how many years we burn we have the power today from this day forward to become those that are wholeheartedly devoted to Christ now here's the key to this whole thing God is eagerly looking for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him hold it this slide for just a minute 
So it says the eyes of the Lord, they're roaming. They're looking throughout the whole earth. God is searching for people that are wholeheartedly devoted to him. And he says that he'll show himself strong in behalf of those people. He says, I want them to know that if they're wholeheartedly devoted to me, I'm going to have their back and I'm going to work in them in ways that I cannot work in people that are not wholeheartedly devoted and I'm going to work through them in ways that I cannot work in those that are not wholeheartedly devoted and everyone's going to experience the impact I'm going to be allowed finally to be as persuasive as I can on earth through these instruments that are wholeheartedly devoted to me they'll experience my life in themselves they will know I'm trustworthy and good and people that meet them my image will be projected in their life. When, when people meet those that are wholeheartedly devoted to me, they're going to meet my forgiveness in those people. They're going to meet my acceptance in those people. They're going to meet my forbearance. They're going to meet my kindness. They're going to meet my commitment to the truth in these people. So, so we project when we're wholeheartedly devoted, everywhere we go, every circumstance we're in, every circle of, of our lives, we project the image of God to some degree. The second thing that the wholeheartedly devoted do is we proclaim the truth about God. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes without even thinking about it, because God is the governing uh, re- reality, or the governing our governing reality is a God-oriented perspective, and we communicate that by the way we think, the words we say, the things we do, the things we don't do. So. God is looking for people that he can work in and work through. Now, the sad thing about that passage is it's pretty obvious he doesn't, he doesn't find many people. Jesus one time in Matthew chapter 9, you know, he, he said to his disciples, he said, man, he said, you know, the harvest is plentiful, meaning there are human beings that are really very open to God, very reachable. He says the harvest is plentiful, but, but the problem is not the harvest. The problem is the labors are few in Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 36 he says there's not many takers that will be wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord that God can work in them and through them Jesus told another parable in Luke 14 about this big banquet that God was given the banquet is symbolic of the kingdom of God and people are invited and each time they're invited they keep giving excuses one guy says well I just got married you know I'm busy with my marriage another guy says I just bought a bunch of oxen another guy says I just bought some land and in this parable the master which is in you know symbolic of the Lord he says that that he's real disappointed with the degree of distractedness that there's no takers to this kingdom banquet so so God is looking for people that he can work in and through mightily and he will show himself strong in behalf of those people now you might be wondering why, why does God need people I mean you know why, why doesn't he just just do this work himself why picture this picture that, that you own a restaurant okay and, and you know man it's a good restaurant you have the best food you have the best servants in, in, in your restaurant the best atmosphere the best prices you know it's good so you go and you make a commercial about your restaurant you know you want to tell everybody about your restaurant now if I'm watching your commercial on TV I'm like eh this is the owner so yeah maybe the restaurant's good but what's the owner going to say my restaurant's really pretty mediocre you know right right the owner is going to say oh it's wonderful it's the best there is so if I make a commercial about my own restaurant I kind of lose credibility in the very process 
But if you visit my restaurant, and you visit my restaurant, and you visit my restaurant, and you weigh in the back, which you don't even eat much, and you visit my restaurant, and then you all spontaneously start telling people, you got to go to this place. I've been to all the restaurants in Frederick, and there's nothing like Randy's restaurant. Go to Randy's restaurant, man. The best atmosphere, best price, best food. Now, which is more convincing, Randy's commercial for the restaurant or your testimony? How many of us know it's your testimony, right? This is why God wants people, people, people that, that are available to him that he can work in and he can work through. And that brings us to this first point. God is eagerly looking for people who are unquestionably, unquestionably available. It's a good place to stop and say, you know, am I unquestionably available to God for whatever he wants to do in me, for whatever he wants to do through me? Am, Am I really? Is there space in my soul? Is there space in my psyche? Is there space in my schedule? Is there space in my life? That's a good question for us to pause and ask. In the book of Isaiah, we have this incredible scene. Um, King Uzziah, who had been a, a, a good godly king for 52 years, he has just died. And Isaiah is suddenly swept up in this vision. And in the vision it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? So here's God again. He's looking for someone that he can work in and he can work through. Someone that will project his life into their circumstances and proclaim his truth in their circumstances. And it's like he's looking and nobody is showing up. Nobody's raising their hand. And then finally Isaiah says, and I said, here am I. Do what? Send me. Until, until you and I are unquestioningly available to the point that we say, God, here am I. I send me send me anywhere you want to anyone you want to say anything you want to do anything you want me to do here I am here am I have you ever done that have you ever said God from this day forward I'm available I'm available you show me opportunity you show me need you put me in my roles relationships responsibilities you awaken me to those to the opportunities to do good there I am now available Matthew 28 Jesus said this when he first rose from the dead to his followers then to his followers to the end of the age Jesus came to them and he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go notice he he is saying that we wait He's telling us to go and make disciples. That's followers of Christ. Make disciples of all nations. Once they become a disciple, put their trust in Christ, become his follower, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that means more than just water. It means immersing them in the truth about God. It goes on to add to it. And teaching them, teaching them to do what? A Christian is one that trusts Christ the creator to the point that I joyfully seek his will and obey his will real trust in Christ will demonstrate itself by real obedience to Christ to the to the word and will of God and teaching them to obey how much everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always how long to the very end of the age we're 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 in, we're in that very end of the age in the book of Daniel chapter 11 
verse 32 through 35 you read it on your own sometimes it talks about the generation that'll be alive right at the end of the age just prior to the return of Christ and they're in great trouble great tribulation but it says at those times there will be those that are loyal to God those that are wholeheartedly devoted to God and they will teach the masses it says and it also says they will be fiercely persecuted and many of them will die I am speaking to you because I know we are in that time in history. I'm not talking about something that's possible. I'm talking about reality here. And some of you, God wants to raise you up. He wants to call you out this very morning to set you apart to be those that will go for him, speak for him, teach for him, stand for him, serve for him right in the teeth of the most fierce times that our society has ever seen. Right at the time when it's the hardest to be identified with Christ. He's preparing, he's calling out all of us actually, but some of us will hear and some of us won't today. He's calling out, are you available? Are we available? because the time is upon us in in Matthew Jesus went on to say this chapter 20 whoever wants to become great among you must be your what sir now think about this concept do do adults get babies and little kids to serve them because they're bigger and smarter or do adults who are bigger and smarter serve babies and toddlers it's not a trick question right <laughs> you give how many how many own a pet here you own a cat you own a dog of course cat's not really a pet do, dogs are pets <laughs> I've just alienated everybody now um, does the I mean you're smarter you're smarter than your cat or your dog but do, do they serve you or do you serve them you serve them here's your food oh please eat please please what do I got to put on it do I need to sprinkle so you know we, we go through and, and then of course we follow them around to you, you know what I'm trying to say the little <laughs> unless you got that thing that, that does that which is a far better tool so Jesus is saying the opportunity for greatness is my willingness to have my capacity expanded to care enough for others and stop thinking about myself supremely and just roll up my sleeves and seize every opportunity to serve right within my circles of influence there's endless opportunities to serve I become a servant I can serve by again projecting the life of God his forgiveness his kindness his helpfulness I can serve by proclaiming the truth about God not being preachy but just being speaking the truth about God in a, in a normal set of circumstances now I have to be honest with you the traits of those that God is looking for those that are wholeheartedly devoted there, there are some some inherent traits some intrinsic traits and I'm going to list some of these and you you can discern whether or not these are ones that resonate with you inherent traits of being available the number one is appreciation um, those that are wholeheartedly devoted to God occasionally just have to pinch themselves and, and, and they think that I just can't believe it's one thing that you would love me it's one thing that you would rescue me but you will allow me to identify with you publicly you'll, you'll allow me to serve you I, I can't believe it is, it is being overwhelmed with appreciation 50 years later I am more overwhelmed with appreciation that God allows me to serve him than I was at the very start of the journey. The second one is admiration. Those that are wholeheartedly devoted to God that he can work in and work through, 
These are people that they really like God for himself. They look at God as he's revealed himself in Jesus and they're just stunned. They're just in awe. They just think he's the most wonderful, the most beautiful, the most intelligent, the most compelling personage in the universe. They just, they just like him so much <laughs> that, the, that the most important thing in their life is to try to grow a little bit to become more like him each day and if possible to to move someone else closer to him so that they can get a glimpse of the beauty that God intended for every human to wear. The other one is approbation. I just love what he does. I love his plans. I love his purposes. I love how he does what he does. I love it, love it. And those that are available to God, those that are wholeheartedly devoted, they love the way that God is outworking uh, his plan. Another quality we have to have is teachability. You know, in other, if I'm going to be available to God, there might be a lot of things I need to be willing to learn. God can't use me if he can't teach me. He's going to be limited in what, what he can do in me and through me. And that requires flexibility. I've got to open up my schedule. I've got to make space in my soul if God's going to have access to work in me and through me, if I'm going to be wholeheartedly devoted. And then audacity, because it's going to take courage. It always has taken courage to be wholeheartedly devoted to God in every single generation on the planet. It means going against the grain of the majority, but it's going to be intensely difficult in times to come, times in your life and my life to come. And we just need to ratchet that truth around our heads. I, I, I'm stunned that there are so many churches, and I mean good Bible-believing Christ-centered churches, that do not openly preach the prophecies of Scripture, and they are depriving their congregations and their people of the necessary preparation for what is coming. And if you can't see it coming, then you're not looking very carefully. So we're going to need a lot of audacity, a lot of courage to serve God in the times that are ahead. Not only does he want people that are unquestionably available, but, but this unshakably faithful that's only two qualifications availability and faithfulness fidelity we could look at it that way first corinthians 4 2 it says this it says now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove what faithful god god doesn't ask how much talent i have how much brilliance i have or don't have he, he doesn't ask what i'm achieving he says will you just be faithful i'm going to put you in a set of circumstances i'm going to give you a set of abilities i'm going to give you a certain capacity it's not going to be like somebody else's capacity i'm going to give you certain gifts and so forth i'm going to give you certain opportunities your opportunity is going to be different than somebody else's all i'm asking you to do i'm going to, i'm not going to judge you based on what you did compared to what someone else did i'm going to judge you based on how faithful you were with the time I entrusted you with the talents I entrusted you with the treasure I entrusted you with the opportunities I entrusted you with the gifts I entrusted you with the life learnings I entrusted you I just want you to be faithful if you're faithful that that's a home run in God's you know way of keeping records it's not about achievement some people may achieve extraordinary things and other people their lives may be very quiet but they have been faithful within the context of the way that God called their life to be. It's about faithfulness. God's looking for people that are unquestionably available, are you, and then people that will be unshakably faithful. And he'll help us developing the necessary qualities to become unshakably faithful. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul 
when he was describing his own outlook about faithfulness to his calling and mission he says to the Ephesian elders he says however the Holy Spirit warns me in every city that imprisonment and suffering are waiting for me but I don't place any value on my own life I want to finish the race I'm running what is he talking about the race I'm running I want to carry out the what does it say that's what he meant by running the race I want to carry out the mission I received from the Lord Jesus the mission in Paul's case of testifying of God of the good news of God's kindness or God's grace so, so Paul is saying you know what the thing that's so important to me is I just want to be faithful to the mission that God has called me to. Now, you can, you can discern your mission in, in ways like we all have roles and relationships and responsibilities. These are God-given. And we all know that there's a certain set of opportunities to serve, to bless, to, to help within those. And then there may be other senses of calling that God gives us. But it's about faithfulness, even if it means facing sufferings. Then I'm going to put the mission before my comfort I'm, I'm going to be willing to allow God to put me into situations into conversations into circumstances that are not necessarily comfortable because that's part of the mission and I don't care how uncomfortable it gets I'm going to fulfill the mission that's the attitude we're talking about with faithfulness second Corinthians Paul talks about the process a little bit more he says in our hearts he was talking about the experience he had when they went to Ephesus he says in our hearts we felt we were under the sentence of death he, in other words things were so hard circumstantially for Paul and Ephesus that he thought well maybe it's just God's way of saying the, the mission is over I'm going to die uh, I, I'm not going to be able to endure any longer I'm not going to be able to, to last another day under this kind of pressure these kind of circumstances however this was to get us to what's the word rely not on ourselves but on who God who raises the dead Paul was saying man I'm, I'm dead I can't cut this I can't go on this way he rescued us from such deadly peril and he will do what rescue us again the one in whom we have placed our hope will indeed continue to do what now do you need to be rescued unless you're in trouble right you don't need to be rescued unless you're in trouble. You, you and I don't need to be rescued unless we are in terribly uncomfortable circumstances. So this is God saying, if you're, if you're available to me and if you're faithful to me, it's not always going to mean that you're going to be in comfortable circumstances. And in fact, they may be so uncomfortable that you will feel like, I can't do this. I am going under. And God says, I know you're going to feel that way and I want you to feel that way because that will cause you to rely on me for strength that you do not possess and you will find that just as you you are faithful to me I'm going to be faithful to you let's go back where we started 2nd Chronicles the word to Asa it says the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth looking you know for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him that he might show himself strong in their behalf when we rely on him he comes through for us to rescue us to rescue us not just once but to rescue us again and again and again and again until our mission is finished now I want to show you what this produces because we're talking about faithfulness and some of us we if we're honest we say well you know I want to be faithful but man I don't know what kind of circumstances I may face and, and I may falter so how can I be sure 
that, that I will be faithful, that I'll have the strength that I, that I need. There is a process. God helps us to develop faithfulness through this process of taking us beyond ourselves and then rescuing us. Here, here's the way this formula looks like. Reliance, reliance on God plus him actually rescuing us equals resilience. How many of you know there's certain things that you cannot just partake of them unless you gradually experience them? It's no different than trying to learn an instrument. You've heard me use this example before. It just takes time and experience. You can't read a book on how to play an instrument. You have to take the instrument and you have to keep working at it and working at it. There are certain things in life God has to allow us to experience. Some of you, you're in the midst of some of these hard circumstances right now. And you, you may feel mentally and emotionally, maybe economically, relationally, like you're, you're going down for the third time. And God is saying, I know you're feeling that way. And I want you to rely on me for power and strength that you don't have. As we learn to rely on God and he actually rescues us and we experience it not once, but again and again and again, our confidence in God grows and we become resilient. Hence, we are unshakable in our faithfulness because we know we can rely on God. Asa, that king from Second Chronicles, Hananiah the seer, he corrects him. He says, you know, you, you blew it, Asa. You relied on the Lord in your early days. Now in your 36th year, you're not relying on the Lord. And, and you had an opportunity. You could have influenced the people of Aram with the truth about God. But now they're not going to experience that influence because you wouldn't rely on God. He wants us to learn to rely on him. But that means being, you've got to hear this, that means being in circumstances, situations, mentally, emotionally, economically, relationally, circumstantially, that you and I would not want to be in. You don't need to be rescued unless the flood has come and you're up on the roof of your house and then you're looking for the helicopter to rescue you. Simultaneous, uh, that's the way, or, or just as way, that's the way it is in our lives. So we have to be willing to go through this process to build resilience. When we build the resilience, then we can answer this next verse. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. So my dear brothers and sisters, stand strong. Do not let, what is the word? Anything, any circumstance in life. I'm going to be faithful to God no matter what. Do not let anything move you. What's the next word? Always give yourselves how much? Fully to what? Work of the Lord. Are we doing that? Am I always in the good seasons, in the bad seasons, in the mediocre times? Am I, am I always? Is there space? Is there availability? Am I available? Am I faithful? Am I always giving myself? And if I'm giving myself, am I giving myself partially? Am I giving myself grudgingly? Am I giving myself dutifully? Or am I giving myself the way it says, fully? Remember we said God's looking for people that are wholeheartedly, fully, devoted to him people that really like him they love him they love the way he thinks they love the way he feels they love his plans they love his purposes they believe that he is going to introduce the the beautiful reality that every hung, every human being is always hungered for and he alone is going to bring that and we want to be a part of helping that process we want to be his co-workers his co-laborers at least that's what I wanted at age 23 I didn't have the ability to think it all through them but I knew one thing if the creator cared about me 
I cared about the creator and he was the one that possessed reality and I wanted to live the most realistic life that could be lived and 50 years later after following him I know that he is trustworthy no regrets ever except those times when I stupidly and rebelliously insisted upon my ways of doing things instead of his so this is where God wants to take us where we're at that place where uh, nothing can move us we're always nothing uh, always giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because we know that our work in the Lord it's never wasted it has eternal repercussions I want to close with this it's going to seem a little cheesy to you bear with me wanted <laughs> equal opportunity employer amazing opportunity for the right people the wholehearted no experience needed this is absolutely true paid training provided also true top pay best benefits they go right on to eternity best benefits available anywhere unlimited opportunity for advancement absolutely true guaranteed hire for every applicant that is and here's where we started what's the first condition you tell me unquestionably available are you am I are we available and secondly unshakably what faithful it's not too late not too late this is a great thing about our God he forgives our sins our failures our poor decisions our poor values and he says will you will you trust me now I love you I'm for you I want you to know by experience the life that I alone can give you when you unite fully with me will you be unquestionably available and unfaithful or excuse me and, and unshakably faithful we started way back in this verse in Isaiah it says then I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send who will go for us God's always looking for people that he can work in and work through and I said this is Isaiah he says here I am send me now I've told you this is a critical message for this generation that we are a part of you are going to have an opportunity to serve God in an extraordinary fashion under extraordinarily difficult circumstances so we're all going to answer this before we leave here today we're going to go out the door the way we came in or we're going to go out the door saying before we leave here I am start right now right here right now with me this is the time this is the day I'm going to be wholeheartedly devoted to you send me work in me work through me use me make yourself known through me any way that you can prepare me equip me train me teach me correct me direct me whatever is necessary I just so want to be a part of what it is that you're doing because it's going to matter right into eternity I believe that at age 23 I believe that even more at age 73 I'm not 73 yet I will be in July <laughs> do you because that's the only thing that matters do you will you say here I am I'm available send me use me work in me work through me let's pray father you know the complexity of each of our lives you know our fears you know our misgivings uh, 
you know the things that would keep us from taking this kind of a stand may your spirit just shove all that aside may we know that you are so much better than we can ever imagine that there's nothing better to experience than heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind union with yourself. Give everyone here confidence and boldness that you are a God that is so much better than we can imagine and that your will for us is so much higher and so much better than the best life that we have thought possible. Help us to say, here we are. Send us, starting with this day. I ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.